Praise God. I love that song. Such a powerful, powerful song. I want to read something with with you before we open up with prayer. It says, Four preachers met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, You know, our people come to us and they pour out their pour out their uh, hearts and they confess their sins and needs and let's do the same. Confession is good for the soul. In due time, they all agreed. One confessed that he liked to go to movies and would sneak off when he could away from the church that he attended. The second confessed that He liked smoking cigars. And the third one confessed that he liked playing cards. When it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess. The others pressed him, saying, Come on now. We confessed our issues and our secrets. What's your secret or vice? Finally, he answered, Well, my problem is gossiping, and I can hardly wait to get out there and let everyone else know about you. I just had to, had to read that. that. That was just too good to pass up. <laughs> All right. Well, let's open up with a word of, word of, word of prayer. And we're going to... Uh, I do have some notes in the back here tonight. We're, by the way, just to let you know that uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a conference by uh, Brother Randy Clark, whose ministry is called Global Awakening. And I took this course that I'm actually sharing with you tonight, so it's not just all my material. Some of it is, some of it's not. But um, one of the most uh, important things and cries in this man's heart, and it's, I, I think it should be in all of us, is that God has called us to be instruments to go into all the world and to destroy the works of darkness. Amen. Jesus said this about the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. And we need to realize how powerful we really are. We need to realize that there's power resident within us right now that's waiting to get out. And, uh, but we're going to be looking at something tonight that I think that Jesus dealt with. Uh, you know, when we talk, of, I use the word revival. And it's a, it's a term that's used a lot, especially among ministers. And I don't know if some of you have ever heard this, where we're going to have revival this weekend. Amen. Everybody ever heard that concept? Well, well brother so-and-so's that come into the town, we're going to have revival. For three days, we're going to have revival. The only problem with that is it's unscriptural. God never intended for us to have revival for three days and end it. Our life is a constant revival. Because we're supposed to be bringing the dead to life wherever we go. Revival isn't based upon a minister coming in town and stirring up the dead. We're supposed to be alive already. Heaven is supposed to be in us, on us. We live with an open heavens. We live with power. We live walking with the gifts of the Spirit, the Word of knowledge, the Word of wisdom. We are supposed to be praying. We're not supposed to pray for the sick. We're to speak to the sickness to be healed. 
I mean, there, there is such a difference where I came from. I, I remember those days when our pastors used to say, well, in June 22nd in 1968, we are going to hold a revival. Well, guess what it would happen? Everybody would come to church, sing the songs. Then after the evangelist left town, we all went back into our dead stupor. You know, and well... We're bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. You know, and and it was just, and it was a yo-yo of a kind of a service. Times are changing. And uh, really, when you begin, I've been reading uh, uh, some amazing, what I call earth-shaking books lately, about the cost and the price of revival. You know, when you begin to teach on revival, one one thing that Smith Wigglesworth used to say, he says, my job is to make the people glad and the devil mad. He says, one thing that will happen is that you will begin to bring things to the surface. Anytime the Holy Spirit is moving, things will begin to surface out of the lives of people. Remember when Jesus started his ministry in his town of Nazareth and Capernaum? Remember what they wanted to do? I mean, here he gets up and he, he opens Isaiah 61 and he begins to quote the text and he says, this day in your hearing are the words fulfilled. What did they do next? They tried to kill him. They wanted to throw him over the cliff. Can you imagine Jesus coming and then the, the, the Lord says, this day in your hearing are these words fulfilled and you want to kill the guy because the, he's not bringing the message you thought that it should be. And I think when Jesus, Jesus' first coming is really something we need to mark and look at because I believe it, it's going to has a lot to do with the way he's going to come again. I believe the way he's moving today is not the way we thought he should or would move. And I, my, one of the things that I'm asking the Lord to do is open my eyes, open my heart, open my mind. Um, there's a lot of psycho, psycho, psycho psychology in the church today. We run more to the doctors than we do to the Holy Spirit. We depend on pills. We depend on things outside the church than we really do with God. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that if you're under doctor's care for you to stop going to the doctor, but wouldn't it be amazing if we actually prayed about the Lord bringing healing or speaking life into a situation first before we go to the doctor? Just, just things like that. Uh, when, when Jesus said to seek first the kingdom, I really believe that he meant that. And tonight we've been, or this over the past couple months, I've been on a series on breaking the yokes of bondage and dealing with different spheres of, of the enemy. And tonight, if, if you don't have it, there's a handout in the back. And I want to start off with a scripture tonight in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That was Jesus' ultimate purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. 
And uh, one of the things, it, it doesn't say here for his, the purpose of the Son of Man was to bring the love of the Father and the grace of God, which of course he did that, but it was to destroy the works of the devil and to destroy the power of sin, to become an atonement for all of us. Father, we just pray right now that I know that many, Lord Jesus, have worked all day, the, the stress of their jobs, the just just even coming tonight might they might be under the weather. They just might be tired. I just, I just, we just speak life and we just speak resurrection life to them in Jesus' name. We just thank you, Father, that you are our righteousness and peace and joy. Lord, you've given us authority. You've given us such dominion. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the kingdom is accessible to us even right now. And so, Father, we ask you that as we look into these keys tonight, that we would recognize, Lord, that these are not just something for some future event, but even right now, with the neighbors that we talk to, with people we speak to, with our families, Lord, even with people that are around us on our job. Lord, help us to recognize God-given, sovereign, God-appointed, Holy Spirit-appointed opportunities to move into the Spirit and to speak life, and to see your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Jump with me over to Matthew chapter 12. I want to deal with you on understanding the nature of an unclean spirit. Now you may say, well, Pastor Ray, why, why, why teach on something like this? The Apostle Paul says we are not ignorant of Satan's methodos or devices, methods, lest you should be taken advantage of. It's great to study the Lord. And it's important to study our identity, our sonship, our authority, our power. It's important to understand what we are, what we have, what we possess, our spiritual weapons, understand the importance of the gathering together of the saints. But Jesus, when he was here, he dealt with demons, he dealt with devils, he dealt with unclean spirits. He did not so much speak to just men. He dealt with the spirit behind the situation. I want you, I want you to understand something here tonight that we need to really get a hold of this. Several years ago, I went out to a costume store, and I bought a costume. And there, there was a, a young man in our church that was having a problem with pot, smoking pot. And so I thought I would try a trick on this guy. In my restroom, I had purchased a latex mask that was an actual mask of a devil. I mean, it was a a scary-looking mask. It was a full mask with an opening in the back, and I also had a cape. So, And uh, I remember his parents asked if I would possibly talk to him that smoking pot is not a good idea. I said, sure, I'd be glad to. Now, I never thought of using the mask, but during the conversation, his, his attitude was really flippant. And he says, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with pot. Someday it's going to be legal throughout the United States, and everybody's doing it, and, and all this. And he was giving me the... Uh, so, so I excused myself, and I went into my restroom where I had the mask. And so I decided to take a roll of toilet paper and I rolled up this piece of toilet paper like it was a 
uh, you know, what, what do they call it, uh, a hit or whatever it is. Uh, I rolled up a piece of toilet paper, I put the mask on, and I put the cape on, and then I opened the bathroom door and I walked out, uh, backing out, because I didn't want him to see my face yet. And he says, Pastor Ray? This is in my office, by the way. Pastor Ray? And I turned around and I offered him the, uh, the uh, toilet paper. When he saw the face, he, <gasps> he, just, he just scared him to pieces. And I said, go ahead. Come to hell with me. He said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I got the message. Oh, he was scared to pieces. And you know what? I, I actually thought that I had accomplished something by using the fear tactic, by using the scare tactic. You know, I was going to scare him into righteousness by letting him know that any time someone offered him pot, it was the devil in disguise. Which, by the way, it, it is. The only problem with that skit that I put on, it's unscriptural. When you go back into the Ezekiel in the book of Isaiah, you will find that the devil is not a scary two-horned monster with a bad tail and a bad, bad-looking face. The Bible says he's beautiful. He's attractive. Unclean spirits come through different masks that are attractive, that must bait you, that must tease you, that must draw you. They don't come to scare you. In fact, the rest of the story was my little scare tactic only lasted about a month in that young man and he was back doing his pot. So it didn't work anyway. I thought it would. Great attempt. But let me just tell you this. Fear in telling people they're going to hell and the devil's out to get ya doesn't transform lives. Now there is a real devil and there is a real darkness. There is a real bottomless pit. There is a hell. But unclean spirits do not work like that. And one of the things they, they do, on your notes tonight, I want you to write three things down. And we've said this about unclean spirits, letter A. Unclean spirits need, need they need access doors. They have to have an access. But before I give you the three little points, jump with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45. Right here it says this. When an unclean, this is Jesus speaking, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he, the spirit, goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Now what the Bible is giving us here is a picture. You should write this in the margin of your Bible. This is a picture of deliverance. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man. In other words, this spirit can experience anxiety. They go through dry places. 
an unclean spirit. We're not talking about the spirit of a man now. We're talking about an unclean spirit. They need rest. And the way they find rest and the way they find any place of refreshing, and I want you to remember this, is they need a body. Everyone say body. We talk a lot about spirit, soul. Unclean spirits need a body. Because your body is a temple. Your body is a dwelling place. Your body is not just spirit, but it has a soul, mind, will, and emotions. The access, three things I want you to write down. The access door for unclean spirit is, number one, to get you to question the Word of God, as we find in Genesis 3. To question or to doubt or unbelieve. If a person doubts or questions God, you've just given the devil access. Because you see, how many of you know there's authority in the Word of God? When you begin to question or someone begin, Now, I'm not talking about questioning God's Word from the standpoint of of, of seriously asking a question because you're ignorant and you're asking a question. I'm not talking about that kind of a question. But when, when someone begins to mock God's Word and they begin to question it as though, I, re- I really don't think God's Word is the final authority. The Word of God. They question the Word of God. Number two, they usually look for someone to come into agreement. That is an access. When I agree with the enemy, short story, true story. Several years ago, there was a couple, an older couple in my office. They're not part of our church, but they used to be, came for a short time and left. But they were part of our church, and this is what the woman said. The woman said this, every time I talk about the Lord in our house, we end up in a fight. We end in a battle. And the one thing he, this man does is he begins to mock the church and mock preachers and mock. And, 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 and she says, I, do, do, I, do I submit to that or do I come to church? I said, you need to submit to your husband. You need to submit to what he says. Yeah, but he's telling me that he doesn't want me to come to church anymore. I said, you, through your submission to him, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, will win him. The Bible doesn't say to submit to him in regards to sin. But if he doesn't want you to come to this church for whatever his reason, maybe he wants you to go to his, the church he's going to, use through your submission, remember what it said about Sarah, Sarah won her husband, and, and we win by our submission. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3. You're to submit because the husband is the head. That doesn't mean he's the dictator. It doesn't mean he has all the answers. But there's a role that God has placed upon the man to be the head in the home. There's a role there. It's God-ordained. My wife and I are partners in our marriage. But Carol recognizes me as an authority in the home. It's not because I'm need, I need it and I'm insecure. There's a lot of things my wife can do ten 
thousand times better than I can do. But she honors me as the head in the house. And she understands that the key to the peace of God and the key to the blessing of God is honoring what God honors. I don't, I, don't, I don't mess up the order because, well, I don't like that, and I don't like him. That's not your problem. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I got to lay on. But, but, but here's the thing. I got the guy in my office, and I begin to question him. I just said, uh, I, I hear you're kind of having some issues about church. He says, church? I'm having issues with God. I mean, he... he, he just, I, I opened up a Pandora's box. Well, come to find out, this older man had a father who went to church and also lived a life of hypocrisy. And he would use the Bible as a way of, of, uh, of manipulating what he wanted in, the, in, in his home and in his life to such a degree that this young man grows up to turn and hate the church, hate God, hate ministries. Now he's an older middle-aged man, and when his, he happens to marry a woman who loves, loves the house of God, loves the presence, loves the Word of God, and she's having a problem with him. And I said, the problem is not your husband. The problem is generational. The problem is you're dealing with an unclean spirit. And I said, you need to know how to fight and do battle with the right battle. I said, stop fighting your husband. Start fighting and dealing with the spirit. Remember what the Bible talks about unclean spirits. I want you to keep your finger here but jump back over with me into 2 Corinthians 10. Listen to what it says about an unclean spirits. The Apostle Paul has a lot to say. Jesus has a lot to say. Notice what it says, and you know this. For the weapons of, uh, verse 4, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to a pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? Anything that holds a person hostage holds them incarcerated. It literally means to be held incarcerated, incarceration. To be held in prison to something, held hostage to something. It's strong. It holds them. It's an opinion, a persuasion, a feeling. It's a memory. It's a subconscious thought. Notice what it says. They're carnal for the pulling down of my pulling down of strongholds, notice this, casting down arguments. Everyone say arguments. Guess what? Unclean spirits love to argue. They love to argue. They want to get in a fight. You want to go to church? Well, I'm not going to church. You want to go to the Dallas Cowboys game? Yeah, yeah, I'll go there, praise God. You going to rage it? Yeah. You want to go to work today? Yeah. Hey, I'm all for the... You want to church? No! Not going to go to church. Bunch of hypocrites. Unclean spirits argue. This, let me just say this. An unclean spirit is the opposite of the Holy Spirit 
because the unclean spirit is connected to anti-Christ. It is an anti-Christ spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God that brings the best, brings the life, it brings faith, it brings vision, it brings victory, it sees beyond the natural, it hopes for the best, it believes in the impossible, it declares life, but the anti-Christ spirit is a spirit of delusion, a spirit of defeat, the spirit of deception, a spirit of manipulation, it is a spirit of argumentation. I will mock you, I will argue, I will stop you. It is a spirit of dictatorship, manipulation, and control. It is also, write this down, the spirit of Jezebel. By the way, the spirit of Jezebel is not a female spirit. The spirit of Jezebel is a spirit of rebellion that rejects and rebels humility. The spirit of Jezebel is the spirit of pride. It's arrogance. I've got to do it my way. You know, do it my way, you'll pay. You will pay. You don't do it my way. It's a spirit of Jezebel. But the spirit of God is the spirit of humility. It's a spirit of servanthood. It's a spirit where not my will, Lord, but thy will be be done. The spirit of Antichrist is a spirit that masks itself with a religious activity, but inside it holds back. I'm going to show you that in a minute. The second thing here, the third thing, first it must get you to question third. Number two, you've got to come into agreement. By the way, coming into agreement with an unclean spirit is not just say, okay, devil, I agree with you. Coming into agreement is when you yield to an activity. When you begin to give your body and allow your body in a particular activity or whether you agree with your mouth or what you see with your eyes or what you do with your body, the spirit of agreement is is whatever you yield yourself to, you become partakers of that altar. Paul says this, that those in 2 Corinthians, he's talking about that we're to reject idolatry. He says, those who are partakers of the altar become one with the spirit of that altar. I do not want to feed on things that bring me into agreement with an unclean spirit because once that happens, guess what? Satan has power to bring anxiety, unrest. Now, I I, want to say something here. So there's nowhere in the New Testament, contrary to what you might have heard, without going through a lot of Scripture, There's nowhere in the Bible where a Christian can be demon-possessed. But Christians can become demon-oppressed. There's a difference between oppression and possession. If I want to go in in Romans chapter 2, 
very clearly states that those that are disobedient and unbelieving, well, let me just read it because I can't remember the exact text. Romans 2, it says this, eternal life to those who are patiently continuing, this is Romans 2 verse 7, in doing good, seeking for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness is indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and then to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Now you may say, well, man, Pastor Ray, that, that doesn't sound like grace. That sounds like works. No, no. What is the purpose of grace? The purpose of grace isn't just to give me this big pie-in-the-sky Heavenly Father image. The purpose of grace is to transform you into His image. It's what makes holiness possible. It takes the thou shalt nots out of the law, and God begins to put the will and the want to and the desire and the power to become and transformed into that same image that Jesus is. See, what we are to do what God or Paul says in Romans 4, we're to call those things that are not as though they are. We're, we're, to, we're to start, you may say, well, pastor, I've been living in sin. You need to start declaring your righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, but I sin. Yeah, you might have sinned. The righteous falls seven times, he gets up again. See, an unclean spirit wants to hold you hostage and will argue, listen, unclean spirits use logic. They use facts. They will use your history against you. An unclean spirit. That's why for many believers in the church that do not know the word of God, they're still in bondage and they're not living in the freedom and the power and the life that God ordained for them. I am not, I, I need to begin to call those things that are not as though they are. Now, he wants me free, and he wants me to live victorious. But it's interesting, in the Old Testament, you had to obey to be blessed. In the New Testament, God blesses us first, then through that blessing, he empowers us to obey. It's just the opposite in the New Testament. We think that we still, well, I've got to obey to be blessed. No, no, God's already come to bless you with his righteousness. He's blessed you with his presence. He's blessed you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's given you the power. And then he says, now walk in the Spirit. So, so he, he wants me to understand it's the complete opposite of being under the law. But see, unclean spirits, number three, the ultimate goal of an unclean spirit is to find a dwelling place through, listen to this, compromise. He's got to find someone who's willing to compromise. Three things get you to question. Number two, come into agreement. Thirdly, embrace compromise. Where you just give up. I'm done. I'm done with the church. Done with God. It just doesn't make sense. You just bought into the bait. And so what, 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 see, th- this is, now, notice, let's go back into Matthew. Well, notice what he says here in Matthew. Again, this is a picture of a man who's been delivered. 
Because it says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, the spirit goes to dry places seeking rest. He doesn't find any. Then he says, the spirit talks to himself, I will return to whose house? My house. He actually thinks he owns you. Let me tell you the kind of people that are wrestling with unclean spirits. This is just one of maybe thousands. How how many here have ever heard of a, a person who's called an addict? They're addicted. One of, the, one of the things that they will say is this. I can't quit. I, I just can't stop. Do you know what's speaking right there? An unclean spirit. Now, in the world of psychology and, and medicine, they're going to call me a fool. Because how many of you know that most medical doctors do not recognize spiritual issues? They recognize mind and body. That's why they treat your mind They treat your body. They don't recognize spirit. We recognize spiritual issues. When a person says, I can't. And yet God says, you've already won. You're already more than conquerors. And when you say, I can't, you have agreed with an argument of an unclean spirit. You've come into agreement with that spirit. Because that spirit is looking for someone to agree with. It gives him access. Now, because they're not only looking for agreement, but they're territorial. And by the way, they guard their territory. Oh, they guard their territory. In other words, how many here, like Ray Galligan right now, trying to lose weight? I'm changing some habits in my life right now. I want to tell you something. There's some serious, serious cravings going on in my mind, in my body right now. I mean, sugar is just saying, come, come, come to me, daddy. You know, I mean, and, and, and I mean, you won't believe it. My wife has jars of carrots and broccoli around the house. Because transformation isn't just changing habits. It's changing your taste. It's changing the way you think. You know, I I can honestly say we're seeing some results. Not as fast as I wish it could be, but it's it's changing. But But one thing I'm doing is this. I'm saying every time I take a dry carrot and I start eating this carrot, I actually say this. I'm not getting Carol, Carol Lass or Hannah. But I said, I'm enjoying this. I'm calling those things that are not as though they are. Oh, I love these carrots. Mm. The days of going to seize candy are over. And boy, does my flesh want to comply. But see, here's the point. I'm using a a natural analogy on this. But, But see, when you begin... To change your direction, you have to change your mind. And when you change your mind, you have to change the way you talk. And when you change the way you talk, you you have to start changing your desires. Desires don't change overnight. You have to actually begin to change your desires by confessing. It almost sounds like a lie. I love carrots. 
I love them. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, that doesn't sound like truth to me. Well, God, that's why God says that faith involves confessing those things that are not as though they are. But here's something interesting happening. True story, the Lord is my witness on this. I'm starting to like carrots. By the way, do you know carrots, little baby carrots, they're sweet? I didn't think they were sweet before. Because I was so, my taste was so adapted. Now, why am I bringing all this up? See, unclean spirits work territorial, and they work with what they have been given to them. If you're an addict, for instance, if you're in a ditch, it's because you dug the hole and fell in it. Somewhere along the way, I have to own my decisions. I've got to stop blaming my dad, my mom, my grandfather, my brother, my uncle, my friend, the pastor, the preacher, Uncle Fred, Uncle Pete, Uncle Sister, Aunt Susan. Stop blaming everybody because God can raise the dead and he can raise you up. When you're dealing with an unclean spirit, and we're going to go through a nine-step process of cleaning the house, by the way, not tonight, but later on. But, but, but we've got to recognize. Now, notice what else Jesus says here about this. Verse 44, the unclean spirit says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it. What does he find? Empty, swept, and put in order. Now, that is a picture of salvation. Swept. How many of you know the blood of Jesus comes to bring cleansing? Salvation brings us into alignment. Put in order. We're brought into alignment. But it's empty. How many of you know we've got to fill the house? But filling the house, how, how many here have doors on your apartment or homes? Anybody here? How, how many at night would go to bed and say, Carol, leave the front door wide open and the back door open. Let's just kind of let a breeze come through while we go to sleep at night. Anybody out there like that? We'll pray for you right now. No, we lock the doors. Why do we lock the doors? That's just to keep the bunny rabbits out and the dogs and the cats and the scorpions and snakes. But there's dangerous people out there. Here we find that this unclean spirit found access because no one was guarding the door. No one's checking things out. Do you know how many times I've asked parents, Do you know what your kids are into on their cell phone? That's guarding the door. Zero. Well, Pastor, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's got an iPad. Well, do you want your child's mind and their heart protected? Well, if I push too hard, I'm going to push them out of the house. No, you don't have to be pushy. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be sour about it. But one thing you've got to do is you've got to be honest. 
There's a real devil, and he wants to destroy you. I'm not suggesting that you come and punish. Well, Pastor Ray talked about cell phones. I'm taking your cell phone away tonight because this is the door of the devil, according to Pastor Ray. No, I'm not saying this is the door of the devil. Let's don't go overboard. I'm just saying that as a father, as a mother, you have the authority and the God-given right to give wisdom. You're to train up a child. You're to talk to them. You're to let them know that not, every out, not everything out there in that big world out there likes you. Wants to destroy you. Now, I understand there's probably people here tonight say, well, Pastor, I've done that. I've already warned them and they, they're still going and doing their own thing. Well, listen. All you can do is do what the Bible teaches, then you have to give the rest to God. You, you can't make your kids choose the Lord. You can't do that. But you need to ask yourself, who's guarding the door? Who's asking the questions? You know what I've also heard? From, this, is, this is one thing I've actually heard, and I just... It literally makes me sick to even think about it. Well, my job in the home is to be the compassionate one, and I let my husband be the one who kind of lays the belt on the butt when things need to be done, but I'm the one that they come to for mercy. That marriage needs help. You are not the compassionate one, so dad can be the mean one. And dad shouldn't be the compassionate one, so mom can be the mean one. Both of you are yoked together to share the same responsibility. Because what happens is, all of a sudden, and I've actually seen this happen, as kids grow up, they start respecting the one who set the boundaries. And they disrespect the one who doesn't. And plus, there's, there's, there's a lot of other factors involved. But, but see, unclean spirits, like I said, they're attractive. By the way, do you know there's unclean spirits all over our public and private schools today? They're coming in from our homes, from generational issues. Your children are around other children that can pass on attitudes, pass on spirits, pass on junk into the minds. You can, you can have a godly home and your children are being connecting with... Now, this is why I believe that we need to pray the blood, a blood covering and protection around our children. Ask God to give our children wisdom, understanding, protection. Father, I, as I send them off to school, whatever, we need to be doing that. But when you just say, I'll tell you what, I hope, son, I'll talk, I hope you get a 4.0 this year and I hope you make the track team and man, I just hope you get to make that football scholarship. And I'll ask those same parents, do you ever talk about the Lord? Well, no, no, we, uh, <coughs> we, we, we let Pastor Ray uh, take care of that one. Uh, uh, but but, but uh, I'm there for the football game. God help you. By the way, it's not my job to raise your kids. You have to be a voice. See, unclean spirits want to intimidate parents. Here's the big one with unclean spirits. You have no authority. 
How dare you think you can raise your children and layer and set boundaries? Look at the mistakes and the faults and the sins you've done. You are disqualified from ever lifting your voice. So your kids sit there completely exposed to the power of darkness because the devil has duped you into thinking because you feel that you've failed as when you were young that you have no voice to be a parent. That's a lie from the pit of hell. One thing I've come to find out is be honest with your kids. Tell them, yeah, I blew it. I dropped the ball. And I've suffered. But you know what? This is a new day. It's a new hour. And this is a new family. And we're not going to let those things happen. We're going to break the curse of that generation off of, the, off of you right now. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to communicate, convey the grace of God, the love of God, and the goodness of God. We're going to command the blessing of God on your life. I'm going to pray a bloodhead of protection around you so you don't have to make the mistakes I made. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. Isn't it no wonder Why did God, of all people, why would the Holy Spirit use the Apostle Paul to write most of the New Testament? If there's anybody that would be disqualified, it would be Paul. That that terrorist, he had people murdered, innocent people killed. Well, what if I was the Apostle Paul? And I'm looking here at Camille and I'm preaching to the church and I just had your husband executed over five years ago because I was a Pharisee and he was a Christian. I'm standing in front of you preaching to you now. Can you imagine what the church had to go through? All I could do is say, you know what? (laughs) I was in darkness, man. I was blind. Your husband was a mighty man of God. I had him killed because I was deceived. I don't know why God's using me. I don't know why God has has me up here preaching to you. I'm the last guy on the planet that should be preaching. But God so chose me to show you that God can take the worst of the worst and raise them up by His grace and use them to be a mouthpiece for His glory. Not because I earned it or deserved it, but it's by His grace. And you're sitting there in pain knowing what I just did to your husband before I was born again. Wouldn't that be a... Would that not just rivet you? I guarantee you, in America, most churches today would not be the pastor of the church. Because Paul was a murderer He was a blasphemer. He's a persecutor. He has all the things that disqualify him from being a minister today. But see, when you have an unclean spirit in the church, guess what unclean spirits look for? Unclean spirits look for people that have a good track record. Unclean, and I'm not suggesting that we go out and just sin for the sake of grace. But see, Pharisees used to go around and they would brag, boy, I'm so glad I'm not like that publican. 
I fast twice a week. I tithe and I pray and I do this and I do that and I give the, my, my goods to the poor. And I, but I don't have any love. But hey, look at all the righteous, religious things. That I sing in the choir. I preach twice a week. I'll make just going on and on and on and on. It's an unclean spirit because it's based on what I do. So see how this is subtle? And yet we say, oh man, brother, brother, so-and-so, you, you've been in the church for years and he's given his money. Look, look how much money he's given to the church. He's helped build this foundation. And man, he's done this and he's done that and he's done that. And we think, wow, that guy's got a big reward in heaven. And all we're doing is we are looking at the man and what he does in an unclean spirit. The unclean spirit that's working in the people thinks that's righteousness. It's not righteousness at all. It's pride. That's why Jesus said, when you do one thing, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. See how these things work? It's crazy, isn't it? Sometimes I've had people come up to me. Years ago, I'm not kidding you. I, I, I dealt with an insecurity issue, and I'm not kidding you. I used to have this problem. Thank God I believe I'm free from it. But I really wanted people to tell me, good preaching, Pastor Ray. Now, I, sometimes I say that by myself up here while I'm doing that. But I, I do want you to know that I'm not really looking for accolades. In fact, my strength is not preaching at all, it, it, to tell you the truth. But, but I used to be so insecure about that. And the Lord says, what the root of that raised pride. You want somebody to acknowledge you. And he says, it's unclean. He said, the only acknowledgement you should be concerned about is what, what the Holy Spirit's saying. And, and, and what if, by the way, you, you, this is strange. There's been times where I, I felt like I've completely dropped the ball and just blew it. And somebody comes up and says, wow, Ray, I needed that word today. And I said, I'd say, you did? You, you, it really, it didn't really come out. Oh, yes, it did. It hit me right between the eyes, man. And I'm sitting there, well, wow, okay, God, I got the message. You see what I'm saying? So, quickly, let's move on here. But notice what else he says. Then he goes, and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall this be with this wicked generation. Now, Jesus, Jesus is talking to his own disciples. I want to just go through this letter B and then I've got four minutes and I'm going to have to finish here. I'm not going to get to Mark 1 like I was hoping I could. But I want you to write these things down here on your notes. Every unclean spirit is the spirit. Every unclean spirit is the spirit of anti-Christ. Instead of humility, pride. It exalts, it argues, it exalts itself. It is the spirit of disobedience. It is the spirit of fear, the spirit of faithlessness. 
An unclean spirit is a spirit of anti-Christ. It does not lift Jesus up, it lifts man up. Number two, unclean spirits can go and come as long as there is an access point of entry. Notice what Jesus said in verse 43. They can come and go. What do I mean by that? I mean this. I'm I'm, going to make a statement here. There's people who say, you know, Pastor, for some reason, I can just have a great day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday night, Sunday comes around before church starts or something, and all hell breaks loose in our house. But Monday comes, I'm just fine. And I'll talk to those people. I say, do you know what's going on in your house? No, no, I don't understand. Every time I get sick on Sunday morning, I just get sicker than a dog. I said, have you ever thought about rebuking the devil? Well, no, I just, you know, I'm just had a bad week. What if it's an unclean spirit? How many of you believe the devil wants you to hear the word of God? No, he doesn't. He wants to fight you. He's going to, by the way, we know that New Life or Open Heavens is not the only church in town. There's tons of great churches. But everybody needs to be connected to a, a local church family somehow, some way. But they need an access point of entry. And by the way, that access point of entry can be through offense, unforgiveness, through pride, an arrogant spirit, the spirit of pride. It can be through the spirit of fear. It can be bad memories. It can be stereotypes. Tons of gazillion points of entry. We need to recognize how they do. Unclean spirits, number three, are spirits of unrest and high anxiety. Notice what Jesus said about them. Oh man, I want to go back into Genesis 1 and Genesis 3 on this one, but I don't have time. They're spirits of unrest. In other words, they cannot seem to come to a place. Have you? I used to work with a guy years ago. And he was the first guy that ever did this. But he would bring, he, he, I, I had a company, a build, I was a builder. And this guy brought, he says, do you mind if I brought, brought a radio to work? I said, sure. Because I, 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 I don't work with a radio. He didn't bring a radio. He brought two huge boom boxes. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. And we're, we're, we're trying to frame up this house in the Dallas, Oregon, and he's got this heavy metal. And, and about after 10 minutes of this, I said, enough! I mean, I, I, I looked at this guy and said, how do you even... I, I just hired this guy, by the way. Great carpenter. How do you think? He said this to me. I can't live without it. I, 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 I can't handle silence. I can't handle rest and being quiet. And as I begin to come to know this guy, first of all, thank God I was the boss because I said enough. It was enough. I mean, I literally, I was in the process of trying to lay out a wall to build a wall. I couldn't even th- read the tape. My brain was so, and all this go. By the way, I'm not trying to, 
knock down a particular style of music. If you like heavy metal, play on. Praise God, but not in my house. I mean, I just, I cannot handle, I couldn't concentrate. But when I got into talking to this guy, I come to find out there was so much shame, there was so much pain, there was so much guilt. And the way he dealt with his pain was just filling the atmosphere with this kind of music to drown out his mind from all the thoughts. He was under such guilt and shame and pain. And that's, that's one of the ways he was coping. He was coping. And I, I want to tell you something. I don't believe there's such thing as bad music, but I do believe that there's a spirit in music that can make it bad. There's a message in music that can create an atmosphere that will glorify God or glorify the power of the enemy because there's power through the words of the music. And another story, another time. Uh, But unrest, these unclean spirits have unrest and anxiety. Number three, unclean spirits are territorial by nature because someone has given them rights and access through agreement. Again, we've talked about that. Coming into agreement. Number five, Three more and I'm done. Unclean spirits are attracted to empty rooms and unguarded doors. Empty rooms. What is an empty room? A room that doesn't have the Word of God in it. This is an empty room. When you don't, I'll ask people, what is God's Word? I don't know. I, I don't read my Bible. Guess what? you got an empty room. Who's guarding the door? How many here have ever had someone knock on your door that you knew you were not going to let in your house? Anybody out there? Well, I can I can raise everything. I've had a lot of people come. Well, you're the pastor. Don't you just let anybody in? No. I don't let them. Now, I'll come outside and talk to people outside. But I don't bring everybody in my house. You need to also think of that way in your heart. Yeah, but they look so good. They sounded so sweet. They just, just, you know, they're so attractive, and they just seemed like they really cared for me and interested in me, even though they stomped on me and used me and plucked my feathers and beat me up. We have to use wisdom, amen? I have to ask myself, who's guarding the door? Well, get, who gives me the wisdom? Well, we're going to get into that later. How do I grow in wisdom about guarding the door? We'll deal with that. Here's another one interesting in the same passage, verse 45. Unclean spirits work in groups because they find strength in numbers. Notice that the unclean spirit went back. And what did he do? He found seven other buddies. And here's what they do. They tag team. I want to tell you something. True story. I had a guy. True story. He said he was addicted to drugs. He was getting clean from drugs. And guess what he went? Then he went to alcohol. Then he went to alcohol. And then he went from there to something else. And then from something else. Do you know that the devil tag teams? How many here have ever seen a wrestling match, a tag team? I know it's a big show. 
You know, one guy comes up and beats you down and beats you down, and they tag him. And the other guy comes in, and he takes over, and he beats you down more. And then, come and tag me. And see, and there's different spirits that come in, and one will come down and beat you down with condemnation. Another one will come down and say, you know what, you don't have a gift. You need to shut your mouth because if everybody knew about what you are, what you've done. See, we don't even realize that those are unclean, vo- unclean spirits, voices that are coming that are trying to suppress and oppress and keep you silent and keep you out of the warfare. They work in numbers. Unclean spirits work in teams. And we need to recognize this. The last one is this. Unclean spirits always takes you or pulls you away from the work of the Holy Spirit where the latter end of the man is worse than he was in the the beginning. They will pull you away from the house of God, pull you away from prayer, pull you away from the Word. They pull you away. Now, I don't want anybody here tonight going home and saying, well... Such so, you now I've been going to church lately. Pastor Ray said you're being pulled away by an unclean spirit. Please don't do that. The best way to handle that is pray. The best way to handle situations like that is to let them know, you know what, God has some amazing... How many of you know it's God's goodness that brings us to repentance? But we do need to know... For, do you remember when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross and he was telling the disciples, I, I, I got to go. I, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be killed and manhandled and crucified. And, and, and Peter says, Lord, it, the Bible says, Peter pulls Jesus aside, rebukes him, rebukes. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus, rebuking God? Jesus turns and it doesn't say, Peter, I rebuke you. He says, Satan, I rebuke you. I rebuke you. For you savor us not the things of God, but of men. Jesus spoke to the Spirit, not Peter. He said, Satan, get behind me. Now, some of us, we'd leave the church if Pastor Ray did that to him. He just called me the devil. He just called me the devil. I heard it. No. Maybe there's a spirit there. And notice what Peter was doing. Trying to help the guy out. Trying to let him know, hey, I'm on your side. I'm your biggest parade, man. I'm trying to let you know that not going to be that bad and you're not going to go and die. You're our Messiah. You're our Savior and you're talking about dying. See how an unclean spirit works? They work through flattery. They work through sometimes encouragement and yet the very thing that we think sounds right could be the very thing that's against the will of God. That's why we have to be careful when it comes to And this is what I'm always asking. I'm saying, Lord, give me discernment because I need to know when to speak, what to speak, and I need to know what your thinking is in each different situation. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's a word of warning. Sometimes it's a word of rebuke or correction. 
or whom the Lord loves, He corrects. We need that in the body of Christ. And if all you are is a flatterer and an encourager, but you can't allow the Holy Spirit to use you in other ways, you could actually be sending someone to hell. Yeah, but I was just trying to be nice. You can be so nice you're sending them to hell because you're not giving them the whole truth. Amen? I know I'm, done. I'm, I'm over my time. Father, we pray right now that as we continue to understand this battle, understand what the enemy does, but we also understand that you've given us power over the enemy. Lord, I pray that wisdom will prevail, understanding will prevail in us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Next week we will continue with Mark 1. God bless.